everyone. Welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters. With your questers, Josh and Dan, I am Dan. And I am Josh. And on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things thanatological yet again, because we're on part four, I believe, of our dive into the horror constructs. We have two to talk about today, but many subgroups of these two. So if you have any questions for us, Yeah, in this episode, we are going to be talking about a category of horror construct, and we're actually going to start our dive into actual horrors Yes, with another category, so this will kind of span between them. But anybody who was following along with the companion in our previous episode on this subject would have noticed that we skipped several pages, or that, that we got to the end, and then kind of stopped. Yep. Because after the Wretched Imp comes this first sort of this final category of Mm. powerful horror constructs. But we decided to lump these together because there's so many of each one that it was the, yeah, this was perfect. We have like five of one and seven of the other. So we'll just lump all, all of them together and go, these 12, your dirty dozen, diabolical dozen? Detrimental doesn't, I don't know, pick a, pick a D. We'll go with sibilance in this one. That we're just going to lump them all together because they're just so fantastic to put together. Use them, use them as you wish. So if you have any questions for us about what you're going to hear, uh, or if you've used these, we want to hear about it. I really, really do. So contact us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. So this leads us into the Earl Gren, E-H-R-L-G-R-E-N. So I think it's just like, I don't know sure where the name came from, but it's yeah. Earl Gren. Yeah, I, I don't know where the name came from. Morgan came up with all of these. It sounds like a cat. Right they are the all powerful. <laughs> yeah, they are a category of horror constructs that seem to exist for the sole purpose of spreading corruption. They have corrupted living crystals that captured their spirit upon death and They just have a lot of weird powers. A lot of them really are powers that mess with spellcasters. Yeah. Like the powers that they have, generally speaking, like a lot of the horror constructs that we have talked about thus far have been physically imposing, difficult, tough, physical fights. There have been some that were were not so much. This category, these are the mystical ones. These are the ones that are definitely going to cause problems for magicians specifically in your party. <laughs> yeah, these are officially undead. They prefer not to kill magic users because they prefer to just drag them away and do things with them. So go with that. So I kind of think of these as like a uh, Frankenstein's monster powered and controlled by the crystals yeah. that are implanted. And the crystals, by the way, for visual, since I'm very visual, uh, these are mostly green and black glowing crystals. So Superman's kryptonite type glow, my guess. Yeah, that's that's not bad. I it, it would always be to me like very kind of dirty and clouded oh, yeah. and tainted. Oh, yeah. There would definitely be that aura or miasma about so, them. Zack Snyder's Superman, not Richard Donner's. <laughs> Look, I have not seen any of the Zack Snyder Superman <laughs> movies, so I don't know. I have. But yeah, yeah. anyway. So these are these are Frankenstein monster body parts all stitched together, mostly where they should be, mostly. But 
Yeah, uh, we'll just kind of start getting into the first of these. The Dramf Erlgren. This is the, this is, I had to look up the word, sessile. This is kind of almost fixed in one place, because sessile means immobile. So these are basically planted in one spot because they are so huge. They're vile to look upon. They have large and very bloated bodies. Loose skin, leaking corrupted fluid and things. There's three crystals in three of their foreheads because they're, again, smushed together. There are other crystals in their torso. They have six arms that are not symmetrically arranged because why would you? Their heads are bellowing constantly, unintelligibly and whatnot. And they have four legs that are basically the size of trunks. So picture that. Just let that mull in your head for a minute or so. Go, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are... Repulsive? They're repulsive. All of the Earlgren are, to one degree or another, repulsive. The thing with these is that they are not frequently encountered alone. They tend to spread their attacks out against multiple targets. Um, they're not particularly smart or even particularly cunning. They're just kind of big, disgusting monstrosities that don't really move around a whole lot, but have a suite of powers that make them really annoying and difficult to deal with. Again, to kind of like talk about how these are all sort of mess with magicians and whatnot, they gain a plus five to attack tests against a target who cast a spell or were successfully affected by mm -hmm. a spell during that round or the previous round. That does not apply to, to thread weaving, but actual spell casting. They've got astral sight. They can detect the use of magic within 100 yards. Astral space uh, within 100 yards of them is two levels higher than oh. normal. So, you know, like raw casting, grimoire casting that would be affected by astral corruption. So just this aura of astral taint. This just aura of astral corruption about them. It also means that anything that would need to pr like pierce the modifiers for astral corruption need to overcome that within the vicinity. Like if you have a spell where you need to astrally ascense the target, you need to overcome that higher difficulty mm -hmm. number. The miasma around them is just like nauseating. Anyone coming within 10 yards of it is harried as a result of that. They can make a toughness or willpower test to kind of overcome that. It's a difficulty 10, so it's not easy to do. And then they've got a Ray of Corruption, which is a ranged attack that can reach out to 100 yards at maximum range and deals not insignificant damage. Um, that's actually their sort of highest damage attack are these ranged bolts yeah. of energy that they fire out. The special maneuvers they've got, if they roll high enough on an attack test, they can cause the highest circle spell affecting the target to unravel and dispel. Mm -hmm. They can spend additional successes on an attack test to randomly corrupt one of the target's spell matrices. This includes any that might be included as like a, a magic item or something yeah. like that. The next time a spell is cast from that matrix, the target suffers warping as if they had cast it using raw magic. Basically, so pure evil. <laughs> again... <laughs> yeah. Spells are just not great around them. Like they do stuff that is going to cause problems for magicians in the way that a lot of the other ones would kind of cause problems for, for physical yeah. characters. So these are just bleh. 
nasty or evil, nasty, odious, stinky, raving monstrosities. Yeah. I know some people like that. I'm kidding. Uh, on to no, this, the second one, because the Earl is an overall category. The, the, the Dramph was first. Uh, this is the cash trick. Earl Grin. Uh, this is a medium sized humanoid base thing. Uh, again, under the category of Earl Grin, some implanted crystals here and there. These have the smooth, pale gray skin. They are very gaunt. And the crystals are in their eye sockets and in their foreheads. And yeah. They're... They've got similar powers to the the other like all of the earl gren have sort of like a similar suite of abilities they've got the the ray of corruption power that they can they get the bonuses to attack against those who cast a spell or were successfully targeted by a spell the astral corruption around them is only 50 yards and is only one level higher than normal uh so they're not quite as corrupting as the dramp they can also with six with a high enough attack test dispel spells that are on a target and they can do the um the pollute a matrix so you know again very very similar kind of suite of abilities they're just kind of in a different style they are not as physically tough as the dramp but they are a lot more intelligent and cunning and quite frequently lurk at the back of whatever group of constructs and undead that they might be operating yeah. with and targeting other ranged attackers, be those spellcasters mm-hmm. or archers or whatever. Again, like a, a kind of thing that will cause problems for a, for the so back deceptive, line. Deceptively clever or cleverly deceptive, take your pick. Either way. On to the Cruz, K-R-U-H-Z, Cruz, Erlgren. These are the misshapen humanoids. They're formed of wax, dripping wax and rotting corpses. They're likely before they are seen, but I have to read part of this description because holy, Morgan outdid himself in this one. They are restless, always roaming despite their difficulty in moving. They seemingly random wanderings are sometimes punctuated by keening whales emanating from their various mouths, mostly located on their flabby neck. The unsettling sounds reverberate unnaturally in the surroundings, making determining the origin impossible as it seems to come from multiple locations. Like all, they are drawn to magic, sensing its use once detected... Crews Erlgren converge upon the source, their approach punctuated by the wet, meaty thumping of their irregular gait. Yeah, that sounds pleasant. Yeah, they are like another disgusting, smelly Frankenstein's monster of nastiness that are going to cause problems. They likewise have the, the ranged ray of corruption ability. Um, they don't have... The, uh, the astral wake where they get the bonuses, but they've got the wailing that comes from their multiple mouths acts as a general sort of harried penalty against anybody who is within them. And if there are multiples of these, then the step number of that test goes up. Basically, it's a test that's made at the beginning of the round before initiative is determined. You make one test with additional, you know, the step is higher yeah. for, for the number of them. And it targets everything. It reduces everything, including and, social and these defense. Are easily provoked. <laughs> yeah, they have the same sort of stinky miasma of corruption around them that would also cause people to be harried, being able to make a test to try and overcome it. They've got the same dispel magic and 
um, matrix pollution abilities that all of the Earlgren have. And so be, like they can do that with their ray of corruption, striking a, a spellcaster mm-hmm. at range and polluting their matrices and sort of causing them to damage themselves. And when you're talking about the ones that increase the level of astral corruption, if you are too close to those things, you're going to take even more damage as a result. <laughs> you know, you look at these things and you're like, Morgan, what do you have against spellcasters? Well, it was their turn. As you said, every, everything else we've had is either physical yeah. or social. Yeah. There's, you know, not been, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that's that's physical, a lot of stuff that, that spellcasters can kind of get around by being behind the frontline fires or, or yeah. engaging at range and whatnot, you know, may not end up being difficult to deal with in some regards, unless you've got large numbers of things that are overcoming the front line and, and getting through. But these are just going to complicate a situation more because they make things more difficult for the magicians. Now, keep in mind, these things were created by the horrors to mess with magicians. Like that's their whole, yeah, that's the whole point. Raison d'etre. Since the horrors are so magically powerful, why not create something that deals with the other, the opponents, magically powerful forces. I mean, that just makes sense. Tactically speaking. So yeah. Uh, last and certainly not least is the, is it Robiesh? Robiesh Erlgren? Uh, yeah, I haven't actually asked Morgan what the pronunciation of each I'm of these gonna are. I'm going to go with that. R-O-B-I-E-C-H. Robiesh. Sounds French. Whatever. Because I can. Uh, these are the hairless yet heavily scarred Erlgren whose lips are stitched together with sinew. So there's a visual. Just sleep on that tonight. Happy Halloween. And with no eyes. Yeah. They're just got like sort of taut gray skin mm-hmm. over their face. Yeah. These are encountered. They have very little remaining in terms of like nose or ears. So that's this kind of like largely gray, taut, featureless face with just this kind of stitched together mouth. Yeah. They are incredibly like flexible and fast. And like all Earl Grand, they've got the, the crystals. Mm-hmm in various places. Like it says, it's difficult to tell their actual size, but if they stand up to their full height, they're taller than trolls. So these are very tall, gangly, but they are frequently like sort of hunched over and yeah. And they stretched out and and whatnot. One is creepy enough, but this is a pack animal. They swore. Yeah. So if there's one, there's more than one around, just so you know, if you only see one, (laughs) there's more coming, but they tend to swarm dogpile, gang up on and uh, I can say frenzy, but uh, yeah, uh, like piranha. <laughs> they are not particularly smart. They're more cunning and they're fast, but they're not particularly tough. They are unaffected by any kind of darkness or blindness penalty or effect because they don't have eyes. They're, they're not affected yeah. by it. They, can detect magic use in the area. Um, they gain bonuses to attack tests against when attacking anybody who had a lower initiative result than them. Um, they've got great leap, so they can cover distances quite well. They've got a movement rate of 18. Ooh. They are fast no um, with a high initiative step and a fast movement rate. They do, uh, within 50 yards of them, the, the corruption level is one higher. And then, like the others, they've got the corrupt enchantment and pollute matrix abilities. They do not have the ranged attack. They don't have the ray of corruption that the other Earlgren mm-hmm. have. So they're sort of more the the physical, like closing the distance, but they're so fast 
and difficult to hit that they will frequently be able to get past frontline people to go and physically attack. Yeah. Well, and they overwhelm in numbers. Spellcasters in the back line. Like a herd of ants. If they get a high enough, they can spend uh, two extra successes from their attack to get an additional attack against the target. So rather than like they basically get an entirely full attack instead of just boosting their damage if they want, they've got pounce ability, which like enhances their attacks when they when they leap and whatnot. So these are kind of like a, a fast, difficult, creepy, like all of these are just. So these are the these are the xenomorphs from Alien. It's the sequel. Just are swarming you in packs. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. That's 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 yeah, that's, that's not a bad <laughs> thing i mean they are they are scaled as only a sixth circle challenge so they are sort of the the weakest of the earl grand that are uh, in this book here but um broadly speaking all of these you know you get mixed groups of these or you get some of these mixed in with other horror constructs like brutes or or other stuff and they can just cause problems even for high journeymen or or warden groups mm-hmm. there's just a lot of nastiness there and uh they're just period they're a joy <laughs> they really yeah. are and enjoy slaying those that's just me uh so that takes care of the earl gren so how's that for a nice little less than less than half dozen because the overall Urgren, the dramf the kashrik the cruise and the robiesh yeah that's that's plenty uh but we have more for you because we're doing a longer show today let's get on to the nashers now this is when people talk about the scourge, this is the army that actually came through and destroyed things physically. This is the, this is what did it. So yeah. this is the I can't say the bare bones basics, but this is the overall. When we talk about the scourge, this is the thing that came across the land like a horde and eradicated, just devouring. Everything. Yeah, devouring everything that they encountered. Yeah. Like these are the most basic type of horror. They numbered in the thousands during the scourge and roamed in packs, devouring anything that they encountered. They are horrors, Mm -hmm. but they are very, very simple in that regard, in that they do not form the the plans and plots or work to manipulate name givers or seek to have them do nasty things to each other. These are just semi-mindless eating machines. This is the fire that spreads. It doesn't care what yeah. it touches. It doesn't care how it consumes it. It just consumes it. So there are some that speculate that the leavings of these, yeah. they are basically mostly mouth with and and they are incredibly varied in their appearance and whatnot. But the, the sort of common feature of Nashers is that they basically will mm-hmm. eat anything and the process that whatever kind of metabolism or whatever that they undergo, some speculate that it is the source. It is one of the sources of astral taint and corruption uh, that, that like they sort of devour stuff and leave astral taint yeah. in their wake as a kind of leaving or trail or spore yeah. or whatever. These are likely to be the among the earliest horrors, mm-hmm. true horrors that a group is likely to face. And they're kind of great, especially when you get into a higher circle like if you're talking about just the, the bog standard basic Nasher yeah. that's in the GM's guide, when you get to a higher level group, you can throw a bunch of these things at a group and just have a, a fun time like hacking them to pieces. Oh, total hack and slash. <laughs> you know, what kind of makes them tough in some senses, especially if you're dealing with numbers, they've also got karma and they 
regain karma by feasting on living flesh. They're immune to fear. They've got great leaps, so they will kind of like jump on you and whatever. These are in in some ways, like if you think of stuff like uh, the critters from that movie, um, although they would be bigger, just any kind fire of ants. like big just swarm. A swarm of fire ants. Mindless or the scarabs horde. From the mummy. Yeah, like like fire ants or yeah, something like that, where there are just a bunch of them and in sufficient numbers they can very easily wreck your day, and they are a challenge for novice adepts, but not so tough that you would like really be really scared of yeah. facing them. It's Josh's point. They, they, these have a bestial intellect. They're not the great thinkers. These are uh, the mindless drones that just devour everything in their path. Yeah. Like I know what I was thinking of, like the um, Starship Troopers yeah. movie, the main bulk of the bug hordes that would swarm over like, that's the kind yeah. of image that you want to think of when you're picturing these things operating during the scourge is that there were just scores and scores of them swarming over the landscape, devouring and, and wrecking anything that they mm-hmm. came across. Yeah. So uh, let's get to them. We have. So, yeah, these are the, the general Nashers appear in the Game Master's Guide because they're I can't, uh, they're a holdover from first edition or something like that. Yeah, they were in the introducing the horrors book. They actually were not. Right. In the original first edition source book, this was basically, oh, the horrors book. Oh, here's kind of the thing that was in massive numbers, but not a particularly like difficult opponent the way that you think of other horrors as these masterminds or manipulators or whatever. Yeah, these are just the basics. Then we've got, you know, variants thereof. And this is where the companion comes in. Right. And so one of the problems in scare quotes, I want to say wrinkles. Wrinkles? Yeah, with regards to the sort of base Nasher is that it is in in some ways kind of boring after a little bit. Like, again, they can be dangerous. They can be especially in sufficient numbers. But with the companion, we were looking at providing horrors as opposition for higher circle characters, but not necessarily having them be all these manipulative mastermind masterminds. Yeah worm skulls and despair thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. These are variants of the Nasher because there are a wide variety of them that just happen to be sort of physically more powerful or appear in different arrangements of parts compared to, you know, just to to provide a little bit of variety and inspiration for people to kind of come up with their own stuff. Yeah. So let's, uh, the crack jaw, just alphabetically, because we've been doing that for most of this entire series, the crack jaw gnashers, these are almost dinosaur-like. They're 18 feet tall. They uh, are also pack animals, but the, um, yeah, they're six yards tall, with disproportionately large maw filled with very many teeth attached to a long, flexible neck think dinosaur, uh, and even longer spiked tongue extends and drips a terrible corrosive fluid. They are vaguely bipedal with a reclining posture and long forelimbs. Two slender arms that end in long spikes extend from their midsection. These are used to spear prey and drop them into the second mouth located in the horror's stomach. Like I said, it's a, it's a mollify. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like a T-Rex gone bad. Yeah. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> The art's great, yeah, by it's, the way. It's physically imposing. It's got karma. It's got four actions per round, multiple bite attacks, claw attacks, with 
attack and damage steps in the 20s, step 20s. Yeah. They also have, I mean, corrosive, their corrosive stuff like reduces armor ratings and whatnot. So they can swallow targets whole and get ground up and digested in its innards. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just very, very big. The standard Nashers are the Jurassic Park Raptors. This is the T-Rex, yeah. right? <laughs> in in the Jurassic big Park movies, you typically will have like the one big nasty thing Dinosaur, as opposed yeah. to like the pack of whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. It is yeah. brutal. And again, like for a journeyman group might serve as a difficult thing, but running into multiples of them is really a bad day. Pretty much. Yeah. Cause just one is a ninth circle challenge. So good luck with that. I think we'll stop with the dinosaur references after this one. <laughs> Cause that it needed to be made. Yeah. Just got to say it needed to be made, but yeah, these are big, bad and nasty. So have fun throwing those against your party. The, the next are the deep crawler Nashers. These are snake like about three feet wide many, many yards long. They've got claws and limbs that stick out kind of all over at random places. So that's not creepy. And then they are, of course, sightless because that just makes things extra creepy. But as they approach you, they cause vertigo and nausea in their prey by this ultrasonic moan. Yeah, they're completely sightless. They rely on scent and sensing vibrations in order to hunt their prey. They operate in tunnels and they've got this kind of circular maw that they can use to grind through stone and little tendrils that kind of also emerge from it that will like reach out and grab things and pull it into its mouth. These are like tunnel horrors. I imagine that these sorts of things would have potentially been directed by more powerful horrors to perhaps try and eat through or weaken the structural integrity of underground cares. Mm. Yeah. They don't particularly like operating on the surface. They prefer their tunnels and enclosed spaces. But likewise, despite what may otherwise seem to be a kind of solitary existence, they actually do also operate in packs. Ugh. (laughs) Just one's hideous enough. Yeah. (laughs) Like individual ones aren't particularly tough. They're only sort of rated as a fifth circle challenge. But they've got... The ultrasonic moan uh, that causes harried penalties for those who are affected Mm -hmm. by it. Uh, Again, karma, the grinding teeth, they automatically, on their bite attack, gain an additional success that has to be spent on their armor cutter maneuver, which reduces the physical armor rating of the target by one. Yikes. So, like, they will grind up your armor and and cause a bad day. And, And again, where you will frequently be fighting these things in close quarters, underground tunnels, and things like mm-hmm. that, that can be rough. <laughs> yeah, because there's not a whole lot of light, so they'll sneak up on you. Although, eh, I don't think I want to see them in a well-lit alley either, uh, to Josh's point a couple episodes ago. So on to the, because yeah, they have a list of powers. The Gravetail Nasher. These are eight-legged, large lizards covered in spikes. They have four tails with barbed spikes each. Four sets of eyes, both above and below their mouth, because that's just wrong. They don't arrive in hordes of more powerful horrors. These actually are just a whole separate entity entirely, but they have a litany of powers and maneuvers. 
Yeah. In their arsenal. They're nasty. Their tail attack targets mystic defense instead of physical defense. So they kind of get that spirit strike ability built in. They've got charge at at rank 10, Mm. which means that when they close in swiftly for an attack, they will deal extra damage. You know, again, they've got karma. They've got long range on their tails. They have an ability called Life Siphon, where they can spend successes from attack tests to drain a recovery test from their victim if it causes a, a wound. Oh. And it regains recovery tests when it does that. It, it, it gains it like it, it regains its spent ones when it does that. It steals yours to use for itself. So uh. it can spend a recovery test that it gained through that to immediately heal itself. What it's doing is it is sucking the draining the life from their their targets and healing themselves as well, which can make it very difficult to put them down because mm-hmm. they've got reasonably high death and unconsciousness ratings as it is and reasonable physical armor. Um, so you really need to kind of take them down quickly. Otherwise, they may, <laughs> you know, mess you up and continue to, to, to heal you end up kind of needing to do extra attacks all the time. Yeah, I think the uh, the armor piercing special maneuver is my, I can't say favorite, but it's my favorite. Yeah, they can spend successes on the attack test with their tail to reduce physical and mystic armor of their target by three per success spent. Each. Yeah, only for that <laughs> attack. It's not like a long-term reduction. Yeah. It's just a, a temporary thing. But still, three physical and three mystic. Uh, no, thank you. In addition to the spirit strike where their tails target mystic defense, they can spend additional successes to affect mystic armor instead of physical armor. So they can kind of cause some problems there. They can spend additional successes to reduce the target's wound threshold, um, having this sort of vicious wounds ability. But again, like they are fast, deadly, multiple attacks, rough, disgusting oh, yeah. hunter horrors. Oh, yeah. That's what that's why there are horrors. On to the gyre gnashers. These are pony-sized, basically, maws with four wings and two clawed feet. Beautiful plumage, but otherwise horrifically yeah. beautiful. Also nasty. Sixth circle challenge rating. Take it away, Josh. Yeah. These are flying horrors. Oh, flying mouth of death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, like all Nashers are largely physical in nature because they fly. They have dive attack, which increases the damage. If they're able to dive on their target, uh, the way like some birds of prey do, they've got enhanced senses. If they cause a wound with their bite, they immediately cause damage equal to the victim's wound threshold and the associated wound. If they cause a wound, they basically automatically deal another wound. They have the, um, the Vicious Wounds ability where they can reduce the target's wound threshold. Fortunately, if they reduce the wound threshold, then on that Ravenous ability, they do the lower amount, and there's no limit to the number of bite attacks they can make. They can force knockdowns by buffeting targets with their wings. They're nasty. Um, yeah, because there's no limit to the number of bite attacks they can make in a round. Ow! Yeah, if you listened to the um, Legends of Earthon podcast, we fought some of these in the ruins of Parlength. Right. My memory goes back that far almost. But right. Those are not fun. If that's not enough for you, we got two more. Next up is the Slitherhorn Nashers. These are 
like slender wolves in appearance, but they have three sets of eyes and are otherwise mouthless on their head. They have two long tentacles with mouths and spinning teeth on those. They can also plunge an area into darkness and quiet. They travel in packs. And the visual I had for this was the old-fashioned displacer beast from D&D. Does that jive yeah. with you? That's not a bad image, except rather than a panther, think something a little bit more canine and with almost like an arrow-shaped head that's got these spikes on the end. And again, multiple eyes to really kind of go for that eerie alien look. Oh, yeah. I think the uh, the emaciated wolf in 300 is not a bad place to start then. Yeah. They can cast ethereal darkness. They've got their tentacles have uh, an extended range. They've got Stealthy Stride and Surprise Strike. So these are ambush predators, in a sense. They will plunge an area into darkness, and they are really quiet. That's hence the the Stealthy Stride. And so they can ruin your day. And your night. Like all of these things can. (laughs) They can reduce the target's physical armor. They can spend additional attacks uh, on a goring charge to force knockdown. With their tentacles, they can grab and bite. So, yeah, just more examples of weird, dangerous creatures that uh, you can run into. Exactly. And last and certainly not least is the Spike Stalker Nasher. This is a horse-sized feline with, of course, saber teeth, because why not, with two sets of of eyes and a multiple-sectioned mouth, two sets of ears, and four additional chitinous insect-like legs that are razor sharp, naturally. Uh, they hunt in packs, they are feelers, they are cunning, and they frenzy on their prey. So imagine not one, but more than one of these coming at you. Yeah, their multiple sets of eyes are actually pointed in opposite directions. So the only way that you can blindside them is through the use of powers or abilities that grant it, like distract so you wouldn't get blindside bonuses if you were like flanking them, like one in front and one behind. You would not get bonuses like that because they've got eyes in the back of their head. They frenzy. So if they knock down a target, they gain bonuses to attack and damage. They've got great leap. And of course, along with that pounce, which is combines with great leap to force knockdowns and stuff. Yeah. They uh, have stealthy stride as well. The pounce and hamstring abilities they can spend additional successes uh, to force knockdown tests. And like some of these others have the vicious wounds to reduce the target's wound threshold to cause, make it easier for them to cause wounds on the target. So yeah, all of these things (laughs) are physical challenges, typically operate in packs or numbers Mm -hmm. so that you are not generally facing just one different styles, different approaches. You know, some of them are big, lumbering, powerful beasts. Some of them are stealthy ambush predators. Some of them are flying maws of death. Some of them are tunneling annelid type things. But the general gist is all of them are ravenous, will eat anything that they come across, and do not have any kind of real sapience that you could reason with or anything along those lines. These are largely... Cunning, perhaps, but otherwise kind of mindless killing machines. The Terminator. 
It has no remorse, yeah. no fear. It will not stop ever until you are dead. <laughs> These are the sorts of things that either cause problems in remote areas or you might find as the residents of in a ruined care or abandoned citadel or something mm -hmm. like that. You don't need to feel guilty about hacking into pieces because they are alien creatures from the depths of astral space that are just yeah. here to wreck people's day. There's no sympathy required for them. There's no identifying with them or, or perhaps weirdly understanding their motives in terms of what they're doing or why they're going about it. These are just smash things up and wreck people's yeah. day. These are not monsters. These are not your generals. These are not your commanders or your lieutenants. These are the foot soldiers. This is the army of death coming at you. You know, vanquish them as you see fit because uh, they're not going to give up. They're not going to stop. And yeah, they'll more than kill you than anything else. So uh, if you have any questions for us, or if you've used some of these, again, we'd like to hear tales of how these were used and, and or defeated. Please email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, uh, go gnash some Earl Grin for your legend. Good night, everybody. Ha, ha, ha.